0: Hello, everyone. This is your host, Manoj Tandon on another episode of Dark Rhino Security Confidential. And today we are honored to have one of our guests come back. He's an alum of Security Confidential, and he's got his own podcast, The CISO Life. Uh, It's Brian Hoagley. Uh, He's a great guy. You will link to his uh, past show here. But for those of you that don't know him, he's the CEO of Channel. He is a professor at Boston College teaching cybersecurity, and he's the creator and host of CISO Life, to name a few things. And he is an expert in the field of cybersecurity, all things risk. And uh, we're glad to continue the conversation with him. Thank you for being here, Brian.
1: Thanks for having me back, Manoj. It's great. Uh,
0: yeah, it was uh, it was a great show last time. It was, so, you know, one interesting thing was when we talked last time, you really did a focus on SMB, which I know mm. is the focus of, of what you do as it is for us. So a lot of people that listen, that kind of hits home with them. It's the right, they're like, ah, finally, we got someone that's not talking enterprise. Say, right. buy Tanium, 5,000 seat minimum, million yeah. dollars, you know? <laughs> it's like... That's, yeah,
1: that's not, that's not everybody. That's that's actually, the enterprise is less, less organizations than... Than small business. So yeah. And oh mid-market. yeah.
0: I think it's what, uh, is it 800,000 companies in the United States that fall into the small medium business category? Something to that effect. I Yeah. I,
1: I think it's actually, if you look at the NAIC codes, it's, it's something up in the millions of companies in the United States that, that identify and are structured in the, the mid tier just. And I think if you add in small business, it goes higher. Yeah. It, it's a significant amount. Like I always said, like there's only 2,000 companies inside the fortune 2000 that's right so there's everybody else
0: <laughs> and there's everybody else and and you know a, a lot of a lot of folks don't realize that small businesses can have monster revenues we we've had oh, yeah. uh, you know small regional banks that you know might only have 50 employees but they have four billion in assets sure uh, sitting with them uh, or clearing houses of credit card transactions that have 12 employees, but are knocking out a billion dollars a year in clearings. It's so a small business is not just revenue. We really look at it by the number of employees and thus Mm -hmm. the number of resources you're really going to have to devote to a InfoSec program. That's real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I use in between, I usually start with like, how, what's your employee count? And then I move to, you know, how much, how much you're responsible for. Um, that's right just to give me a sense of like okay how how big are you how big is the team what are we working with who's been involved and then what's responsibility actually look like for that team um, but I you know I had this discussion this morning with somebody I was like well how do you define mid-market I'm like I don't I let everybody else define mid-market <laughs> if the client comes to me and is like we're a blah 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 mid-market company I'm like great great we're gonna probably work together like that's like yeah we're an enterprise you know we're, we're looking to go do I'm like we're probably not a good fit for you that that's that's um
0: we have something in common there (laughs) so speaking of enterprise uh you were actually uh in the process of going public last time we talked and things were on in a rapid uh mode of change what please tell us what's what's happened
1: yeah so um it's august uh what's today august 3rd uh so today's as of today um, yes, we we signed and merged, completed our merger in the beginning of July. Um, we've uh, SideChannel is now a publicly traded company. We've uh, the company I merged with. Um, I named the new board. I became the new CEO. Um, we've changed the name of that company and is now Side Channel. So the brand is still and will continue to be Side Channel Incorporated. Um, and we just recently finished this week um, with the SEC to change the stock ticker to sdch so
0: so you're on nasdaq then
1: uh no we're actually right now we're currently traded on the otc okay um it was a otc company that we merged with but you know we have um ideas and plans to you know we're looking at you know what would an uplist look like and that uplist would land us on either the new york stock exchange or nasdaq
0: oh that's fantastic congratulations i i know what a heavy lift that is brian that Uh that's a significant amount of success.
1: (laughs) It wasn't it was not easy. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we are where where we are today. I I told I had a really great discussion this morning with my with my father. I'm like, I'm really happy and very confident in the role that I'm in now with the company where it is. Like I feel like I've stepped so far away from being that practitioner, being a CISO and and now being the CEO of a company and building a team. I feel so much more comfortable leading an organization and building a team um and it's uh it, we both jokingly just kind of went back to like my days in boy scouts and and being a leader as a as a young man and, and all of that and he kind of rid me he's like well you're doing it well then I mean what'd you think you're gonna do just stop like <laughs> so um yeah it's a very exciting time I'm, I'm I'm really excited about what we're doing I'm very 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 much looking forward to the future and what we're building and what else we're doing for their, for our clients and and um yeah it's it's a it's a whole new world right now for us. So. Well,
0: I was, well, you're still the number one sales guy, which is what the CEO should be. Right. Um, you're out there, and you're you're uh, tangible. We see you out there, and people know who yep. you are, and that's a that's a good thing. I hope that never goes away. But I I do got to ask one hard question here. Sure. In in terms of uh, you know being an entrepreneur uh, that you have been. I would imagine that uh, at some point, you know, you've done the thing and there might be some other ideas. Is there anything else on the horizon that you're thinking about that might uh, cause you to repeat this cycle that you've done?
1: Well, you know, now I think the, the focus for me is obviously bringing value to our shareholders. Right. And I have to, that's, that's, you know, that's new for that's, us. That's right? a We're... big,
0: that's a big one. Yeah. And you,
1: yeah. So I have, you know, I have to, um, you know, I want to make sure that they're aware and and they're seeing what we're doing. um, So they keep or continue to invest in the company, right? However that, however they choose to do that. Um, But yeah, entrepreneurially, like, you know, yeah, I I think what I'm going to do is now I just have a new vehicle to focus that energy, right? I have access now to capital markets. I have access to. Um, you know, equity in a company to bring on talent and, and potentially do mergers and acquisition and things. So I, right. I have all these new tools now just available to me. So I don't think my entrepreneurial like spirit and like what I'm doing is going to necessarily steer me away or, or anything. It's, it's, it's I'm going to apply the same thing. I just now have more available to me to be able to, to scale that, that type of thinking. So it's, yeah, I, there's a lot on the horizon. Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what will go do after what we're working on right now, we've got a, we've got a a micro segmentation a zero trust product that we'll be launching in the beginning of September, like, you know, there's development going into that. So we're, you know, we want to see that project through and launch that product, you know, in addition to growing our services, the next thing, I don't know. I think we, we, the side channel model has been, we have these really top level former CISOs who are, who are experts. We have a, a great and trusting client base. So we can look into our client base and determine with those top level experts, what is wrong inside of not only just one client, but what's a systemic gap across many? Yeah. And can we build something or create something that can service that? And then is that valuable to the rest of the industry and market? And that's what we've been doing. I mean, and that's what we'll just, I think we'll just kind of keep continuing to do that again, still just focusing on the mid market, you know, as the client, I'm not going to necessarily think about building enterprise products and services first. Mid-market products and services can scale up to enterprise needs. Yes, they
0: can. But and, and your sales doesn't go the other way much usually. better. It doesn't it doesn't go the other way. But and right. you have a much more receptive market, I think, because y- you you can get in touch with decision makers. Oh, at yeah, the, the highest level. Right? Exactly. And, and that's an impediment at the enterprise. So Anything new at sizzle life you want to also bring before we get into the core of s m b and uh yeah
1: cyberspace? i mean we've we've um so we just started well we've been doing it for probably about two months a daily discussion there was there was a lot of talk and people kind of just, hey, I saw this in the news and and does that seem scary or is that important and i and I hear a lot from clients and just other peers like how do I decipher all of this stuff like what do I make of all of these news stories so I had this idea. I'll just I'll just do a, a live show a couple times a week where I just pick out some of these things and just give you Brian's view on each of them. And it's basically like, yes, this is a scary news cycle. You should worry about it if you are in the fortune 50, but if you're not, don't like cut through the noise. So it's just been a fun way to kind of get through some of these, these news items and just kind of level set people to like, you're a 50 person company. You're not using that technology in your environment. It doesn't matter to you. Don't worry If your board it. asks, tell them it's not applicable and move on with your day. Um, so that's been, that's been fun. And then, um, one of my other partners in the firm, uh, David Chase Dean, former CIA cyber warf- uh, warfare officer. Um, he was, he was our delivery, uh, CISO into GoFundMe and, uh, he's, he's been great. And so he and I just started a new show with our, our head of marketing to, um, Um, Just take CISO Life to more conversational about bigger and broader topics. Yesterday, we just did one on privacy concerns post Roe v. Wade and the breakdown of privacy expectations as a consumer for using apps or other things. And it's like, we're just trying to tackle some other conversations that we keep kind of hearing. And it's like... Okay, you
0: can't say that and then uh, not have me follow up on that. We just for this. We just derailed this conversation. So, okay. <laughs> so explain to the audience, what are the implications beyond the women's reproductive rights of Roe v. Wade on individual privacy? I think there's there's a lot yeah, of the, uh, mysticism out there on this, but what's the reality of it?
1: I think, so our take and view of of what is happening or about to happen Is that providers of technology are going to be in a much more free position, or technology and data, much more free position to be able to share that information with people who request it. Considering law enforcement or private companies that maybe have an agenda to target and find out if women are, you know, getting abortions or things like that. So like period uh, tracking uh, applications. Right, you download that from whoever built it. You signed a EULA or terms of service to be able to do it. Do you know what you agreed to? Do you know what data that person is oh, now sharing? Oh heck no! Does anybody read those Who things? <laughs> right, but now, but now in some states, potentially post Roe v. Wade, there is an there is an opportunity for that data to be shared with law enforcement, and could law enforcement then use that information to track down people or potentially press, you know, legal ramifications on folks, if that state puts in place those things where, hey, if you travel out of state to go get one, or if you get one, you know, you can be tried or, you know, you can be, you know, um, prosecuted. So
0: how is that States diff- have been
1: talking about that, right? So now there's a mechanism for them to get that data to be able to actually have a target list. Do people even know that?
0: I, I doubt it, but I, I was going to ask, like how does that change materially from the paradigm we were in before, where if your data, like if you were using the Apple Health app, and a lot of people mm-hmm. use that app, uh, sure. and your data is stored in iCloud, and law enforcement, for whatever reason, wants to get access to that data, they can absolutely subpoena Apple for it. And but they need they need a warrant. They need a they need a
1: warrant. Yes, they need a, warrant. Yes, cause. They, need a
0: wa- they need reasonable. They, cause. they
1: can't just walk into Apple and just say, hey, I want to see this person's data. They need to no, have a reasonable cannot. cause. They need so a reasonable cause. Now, now the stage is being set where law enforcement could say, hey, we believe that this person illegally obtained an abortion by sta- going out of state. And in our state, that's illegal. We believe that happened. Tracking app. We know that this person uses this app here's a subpoena because we have reasonable um, cause to believe that they did this and you have the data that can help us support and uh, prosecute our case, hand it over. That didn't, that was not an existing scenario before. Wow.
0: Well, well,
1: right. That's that going to give a
0: lot of people pause for concern or that should. Sure. Maybe don't. Well, this, your... we,
1: yeah. We, we went further and we're still like even thinking about it. and, and, and we just shot this yesterday. So like, you know, Please link to it once I, uh, once, once I, we, we will absolutely, Emily, please make a note. <laughs> we, um, you know, one of the things we were talking about was like, um, for instance, um, uh, there was a story in Gizmodo. This is actually what started our conversation. There was a story in Gizmodo about a 13 or 14 year old girl who had purchased a number of items at a Target, and then Target, through direct marketing, sent her some type of brochure or something about, you know, a coupon to a crib because she was expecting. Well, her father saw that before she did. Well, So our question is, suddenly everyone, when you shop on Amazon, right, you kind of have an idea and think, all right, they're looking at my data. They're doing analysis on my data. They're, they, they're, they they're going to target. Are. Totally doing that. You, you We almost all just believe, like know and accept that that's happening. But what happens when I walk into a Walgreens or walk into a brick and mortar store and buy something? Did I sign a terms and condition when I walked into that store to purchase something that you could do something with my data? Who's that on? Is that on the brick and mortar store? Is that on MasterCard and Visa? So now there's, and because most people, right? We've been shopping in stores since forever. Yep. This is not something that people are thinking, they even need to think about because we've never thought about that before. Oh my God, I'm walking in someplace physically. And now that data can be used, you know, either against me or to target me. In fact, this actually, one of the scenarios I brought up because I saw was, I think it was Walgreens g- got caught because a woman came home after shopping at Walgreens, she'd been shopping and using the couple week, like a week or so later, she got a, a care package box filled with infant meal and other things telling her congratulations. You're expecting you're going to need this. It was a promotional thing. She freaked out, posted on Twitter. So who knows if this was true, but it presented as true. And it, I, I think it is. Two things were really weird. One, this happened during the infamile shortage. Okay. Uh-huh. That happened a couple months ago. Okay. Two, she had a miscarriage. So she suddenly got this care package after having a miscarriage. But that, that is, that's HIPAA data. You would is think, it? you would is think. It? What they're doing is they're collating and analyzing the data of your purchases that you made. That's not HIPAA protected. I no. bought a toothbrush, right? I bought some toothpaste. I bought that's some, a... that's not no. HIPAA data. That is Correct. that is stored data. And then they synthesize it and do analysis on top of it and go, hmm, if somebody is buying this thing and this thing and this thing, and then a week later they're buying this thing and this thing, what assumptions can I make? You start profiling people basically based on data. That's what's happening. Is that That's companies do that? has been going on
0: for so much. It, it sure. Because when you sign sure up has. for the loyalty programs, you're giving that data away, right? You're, you are, you are the product at that point. So oh, yeah. in exchange, you're, you're getting the uh, coupons. You're getting uh, convenience.
1: Convenience. You're getting convenience. You're getting, and you're getting reduced prices.
0: And you're getting reduced, but you signed up for it, and, and you signed that dotted line. So now but if did you paying... know
1: that that was going to lead to targeted marketing of you on things that could be, you know, what if what if sh- that woman had an abusive spouse, right? That got that, and and then suddenly, and she didn't tell him or her, right, that she was either pregnant or now wasn't pregnant. Now that causes that that could these have like real world ramifications. These type of target, these type of like ads and targeting and things like this, when you use this data. So the question really is, is where's the responsibility for these organizations? And unfortunately, the responsibility for those organizations is to their shareholders. It's not necessarily to the consumer in those efforts. Why? Because these scenarios prove them out. They were purposely, they were purposely putting people into awkward or potentially harmful situations as consumers. Well, and now you're sitting there going, well, who do you care more about? Making dollars by upselling other products or basically getting ahead of somebody uh in, in purchasing something that could lead to an issue.
0: So what is one to do short of paying in cash and not paying using cash. Little, paying cash <laughs> no
1: loyalty programs. No loyalty program? Yeah. No, it's it's you know I think this is where this is where reasonable regulation comes in, right? When companies and corporations, right, aren't doing the right thing by their consumers, right, and clients, right? A reasonable government should have the opportunity to step in and say, okay, here are the new rules, guys and girls. These, these are the rules you need to play by because you're obviously not taking and building those rules for yourself. So we have to give you new rules. And that's what reasonable regulation should should put into play. right? Uh, uh, and
0: in this uh, political climate, I think that would be an interesting conversation to have in Congress and see what happens. The,
1: the only other option is don't shop there.
0: But... But people everyone's so used to it. Who wants shopping? to not shop on Amazon? Who doesn't want to, you know, get 10 cents off a gallon of gas when you go to your grocery store? And
1: uh, <laughs> when it's free, you are the product, right? You That's are the product. And
0: people need to, it's like the Samsung ULA. I don't think anyone's ever read that, but I think it used to be. I haven't seen uh, any of the new one, but way back in the day, if the TV had a camera on it, they had the right to actually turn it on. And you oh, gave yeah. them that
1: right. So, I had one, actually, Samsung's a great example, a washer and dryer that I have. In order for me to use the Wi-Fi so I can see on my app when the load of laundry is done, right, or kind of where it is in the cycle, (laughs) inside of that, it also authorizes that data to be shared with my local power company if they have the capability so they can monitor and manage energy consumption. Who reads that to figure that out? You know, it almost reminds us it's a
0: great idea for a uh, service or a product or a blog of listing the gotchas in all these EULAs that says here, you know, here, here it is. This is what you signed up for and just know that's what you signed up for. So,
1: yeah. So, So, yeah, that's, I mean, overall in all of CISO life, you know, we've got that new show and it's just conversational like this, you know, it's like, just, just get some professionals together, talk about you know, issues, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to do the David spark thing. You know, like I'm not a journalist with hard hitting yeah. you know, questions. It's just, well, it's, it's, and those are fun. Of, yeah. <laughs>
0: but we're trying to educate people. You know, I, I would just love for <laughs> to hear from someone to come back and say, Hey man, you actually helped me out. Yeah. That's, I, uh, you know, uh, I, you said I you. something that I could use and sure. be like, you know what? That's pretty darn cool. So. So let's talk about this SMB business. Then you know what? Let the basics here. A lot of them don't believe they are targets.
1: Oh, well, yeah, that, that,
0: that that's fundamental. So let's do a little recap I off to on. The
1: side. I just yeah. I literally push those clients, those people to the side because I'm like, I'm not here to sell cybersecurity. You either believe it's a risk or you don't. I, if you don't believe it's a risk, but I'm not gonna okay, try to so sit here but if you, you are.
0: Of this. A person that is concerned but don't know why they should be concerned. Why should ah. they? Why should they be concerned? Because they don't know. Well, they're IT guys saying, "Well, right. you could get hacked." You know, in a small medium business, you might have a director of IT or two guys supporting your network or something like that, right. and and they're saying, "Well, Brian, I, you know, just buy a, a CrowdStrike or something, and 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 we're we're good to go, and and you might get hacked otherwise, and that's your extent of knowledge." So now, what happens? It, it's. It, By the way, no offense to CrowdStrike, I just picked on them because they came to mind. I,
1: they, they. It, it, for for most organizations like in that bucket where they're like, I think it's a problem, but I don't know what we're doing about it. That's at least the first step. You've acknowledged that it is an issue, and you're not armed or well versed in it enough to know what to do. It's just like if you got a contract and you're looking at it, going, I should probably have a lawyer look at this. It's the same thing. You want me to sign what? What are the ramifications of me signing this? I don't actually know. Let me get an expert unless I am an expert and then great read it. But you know, it's like, that's it's, a, you gotta have that same type of thing with cyber. It's a business risk that can have an impact on you. Sure. You could get hacked. You could also not get hacked. Yeah. But what are you doing in case, you know, what what are you putting in place to either keep it from happening or if it does happen, reduce the pain, right? That's the biggest thing. So you, you and I kind of started and why I'm set up in the studio is like, I think the first thing you need to do is actually assess yourself or have someone assess you. Right. And
0: how do you do that practically? That's yeah, what so I then let's let's do like a kid's 101 session here. <laughs> so
1: the mm-hmm. first step, like I like, are select a set of controls. Okay. Controls or a framework, whatever you want to call it, or a standard. Okay. So inside of the U.S., we'll be U.S. centric here a little bit, right? I like the NIST CSF Cybersecurity Framework. Okay, if you're healthcare, you're held to HIPAA. There's controls inside of that. If you're in Europe, use ISO, right? If you're in the DoD, use CMMC. Use 800-170. And
0: there also are standards Scissor there. Hmm? That is prescriptive on
1: tech. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's controls. I mean, these yep. are these can all be prescriptive prescription is just who does it do you self prescribe we're going to follow this because NIST csf is a risk management framework so there's no one d- mandating you use it
0: sure uh so do you do nist csf or do you do nist 7621 or do you do nist 853 yeah. like so now i, I i'm because believe me people look at this and they get lost when they go to nist.gov oh, sure. it's
1: Ah, <laughs> what happened? so I like I like this one, right? So I, I I like this one. I wrote a book on it because I like it so much. Um, this works for a majority of organizations. Eight hundred fifty-three is a volume of controls to go through. This is one hundred and eight, right? So I like this. So you need to select something you can actually do, right? And see through. This is the starting point, and this is where I think I see a lot of people skip. And just go right to let's build a strategy. Oh, okay, we should go do this and and let's implement CrowdStrike because we need EDR, and then let's do this for vulnerability management. It's like
0: oh my god, that's the majority of the market right
1: there, Brian. You jumped, you you jumped over a couple things. One, select a framework, right? Yep. Two, you know, assess your organization against that framework, what is known as your current state. Okay. If you don't know what you currently look like today, how can you build something to what you want to look like? Right? So the second one is once you do an assessment of your current state, okay, now you know what you're doing. Am I meeting 108 controls? Am I meeting eight of the controls? Right? Okay. How well am I meeting some of these controls? Then what I like to do, and this is this is NIST's entire methodology here. Like this is not Brian's way of doing things. Like I totally adopted the standards on risk management framework, which is current state, right? Do a gap analysis against the standard. Okay. Where do you basically sit? And then what do you want to, you know, create your target state? What do you want your target state to look like? Which is, this is what we should look like. It doesn't, for NIST specifically, it doesn't need to be all 108 controls. It could be 100. It could be 78. Find the ones that are applicable. Find the ones that you're like, yep, for us, these 80 are applicable, and and those 80 are reasonable for us to go do. We're meeting 40 of them, so we have 40 to go work towards. Now- Is there,
0: there, uh, if there was a top three things, at a minimum, if you do nothing else, at least do three things- do you sure. have anything like that that go in that that's out of the 108
1: oh yeah uh implement mfa on so prac3 if you okay. look at inside the nist framework right number one control i'll just drop it over here oh you're yeah. off the screen <laughs> oh damn that's off okay uh p r cool. a c three cool this control basically says remote access is managed that's unfortunately all it says. But what it means is, do you have MFA on your admins, your users, your remote access VPNs into email, things like that, right? Uh, in Implement fact, I that think one.
0: Cyber insurance companies now requiring PAM, which is part of PRAC3. Mm-hmm. If that, they're going to yeah. even issue a policy in many instances anymore. So that's very You're
1: you're spot on. So the the short answer, right, is is not just that control. It's really just MF. So I like to see MFA across an organization. I like to see um, email security because that seems to be a um, huge attack vector for organizations, right? That's where a lot of things are coming in. That's where communications are coming in. Heck, things are authorized through email, right? Yes. Tell the CFO. Send send money to this account, not that account. Happens more than not. So, oh, right, often. and that's protected by MFA too. So these two things are great. Um, I then like it's going to be a combination of things, but it's I like the rope in incident response, right? So that requires for me a couple things. One, some type of twenty four by seven sock or monitoring. I prefer endpoint detection over network detection for most organizations, especially mid market especially if they're newer, they don't have infrastructure. Yep. And then the other, like second piece to this is the actual IRP, the plan. Because what you want out of IR is obviously somebody watching, but then the actual plan in case something bad happens that they see, you know what to go do about it. So many organizations do not have a what do we do plan in case the bad thing happens in the middle of the
0: night. Yeah. Okay. I can't, I can't argue with any of this. I wish I could
1: but sorry I can't these are the things that yeah. these are these are to me these are table stakes like these are the table stakes of security now so let's say we
0: got the controls we did the gap analysis and we know that we don't have MFA email and IR but I would take it the next step is to build some kind of a strategy before you go buy a box of rocks or I shouldn't say rocks
1: but tools really (laughs) well it's just not always just so, tools. It's people, process, and tech, right? So it's, right. do I need to hire people? Do I need to build better processes? Right, exactly. You're going to build a roadmap, right? Or strategy, whatever you want to call it. Strategy is a roadmap. But that roadmap gets you from your current state to your target state. And you need to have a prioritization built into that because maybe you're deficient on, you know, 30 of the controls. Well, which one do you do first? Do you do them in alphabetical order? You know, like, how do you, how do you decide what you go to do? Case.
0: I really hope that's a joke. It's not
1: that case. It's, it's not. But seriously, <laughs> like, this exercise requires you to prioritize, right? The gap analysis yes. and creating the target state now informs building that roadmap with a prioritization. Because you can't do everything. You can't just go nail down and be like, oh, cool. We're going to do 30 projects to develop, to knock out. The thirty deficient gaps. Oh, nope, not gonna God. happen. You're gonna probably pick right. one or two. Right. You're gonna see that all the way through, right? And you're gonna have to ride the risk that you you're not doing the other twenty-eight, right? For a while. That's where insurance comes in. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's where insurance what, is supposed to come in. Right?
0: Well, they've there's a lot of exceptions. So read that dang policy. I, I oh, that yeah, could be a definitely. show in itself. Anymore, people are wising up. They're it's it's uh evolving. How about that?
1: Let's just. I just did a. I did a YouTube. Uh, I did a Cecil Life video. I'll. I'll share it, or you can oh, find it on, on the Cecil Life show on, on how to get cyber insurance, like Mike. My, my view, how to get cyber. Yeah, you insurance. you had
0: sketched out a little bit of it last time, where you yep. had talked about the brokers, you had talked about the underwriters, and.
1: Yep what they're looking for, for, what you need to build to get them to see what you're doing, making the broker your friend. They're supposed to basically be your champion and agent to the carrier. Yeah. All of that.
0: Have you seen an instance where people have actually followed this strategy that's on the board and they have materially impacted their insurance rates? Are carriers giving points for that?
1: Oh yeah. I'm not, I mean, this is not just me like like this is what we do with our clients because, yeah. and a lot of our clients don't have insurance or can't get renewals. We take this approach and then you can use this to then go to the broker and say, no, oh, no, 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 put your application aside. Here's what a program's supposed to look like. This is what we've done. And you convince them that you are, that your client or us are a lower risk. So we get better coverages, lower premiums, right? That's yeah. kind of the goal out of insurance. I want to pay less for more coverage. But you can only do that. If you prove that you are a lower risk to the carrier, the carrier, and they're not wrong, the carrier shouldn't just go, oh, you don't have anything in place. I'll write you a blank check. That's not what they do. They all insurance companies be out of business. They need to better understand your risk posture, but they can only do that. If someone can tell them intelligently what your risk posture actually is. This is built on a standard. So it's hard to argue with standards, right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is, I know the salespeople, and we get a lot of salespeople listening. So this is, they're not going to like this one. But, you know, a lot of times there's a conflict of interest there. So if you're, if you're, uh, whatever company you're associated with, you're going to try, you might bypass what you're saying here, which is the right way to do things and say, just go to the endpoint and buy it too. And, and so be cautious of that. I think uh, what Brian's saying here is correct. And at least make sure say, there are good salespeople who will guide you, but you should follow this. Make sure you're going through this for yourself.
1: Well, the the thing that I've, I was, I've been a buyer for so long, right? Former CISO, purchaser of these products. And the thing that I saw that really irked me as a buyer was this. If I had a salesperson who came to me and I was saying, look, I'm, I've now decided I'm looking for an endpoint detection response capability, some type of endpoint solution. I've already done this already, right? I wasn't going to just skip this. I still hear, well, if this one product provider gives the salesperson 30 points and this other product provider gives this person 20 points, which product do you think that salesperson wants me to buy? The one where he's making the 30% the thirty point mark, right? Is that the superior product? Is it going to meet the controls that I've identified? As That's well the real or question. Than the other one.
0: Does it meet the controls and does it get you to the to the correct state?
1: So one of the, one of the things that I've done with the real CISO platform, right, and, and doing risk assessments inside of this is the second part of the whole tool. We've been going through all of these vendors and figuring out what controls do they meet when you implement them. Let me tell you. A majority of vendors out there that we talk to can't tell me which CIS controls their product meets when I implement it fully. They can't you know tell me what CSF controls they meet fully when I implement it. We have to figure uh, that out.
0: You'll we'll have to. Uh, I'm
1: sure. Off air, I'll, just fair, I'll of share the OWASP
0: mad. matrix. We tried to do a similar exercise, yeah. and it's a hellacious matrix because we looked at all the different products and where do they fit and where do they. Mm-hmm. Fit in the NIST CSF standard, um, it's not for the faint of
1: heart. <laughs> oh yeah, so but, but I'd the be pla- happy to yeah, share. I it. built a SaaS platform that that does that on the on the on, against the NIST and the CIS standard size because I know that was going to look like a nightmare. But if I can give any advice that like you know redeem my my position with salespeople out there, it's know what your product actually does against frameworks and standards don't just rehash the marketing messaging be able to tell me if i'm a if i'm a if i'm a smart ciso and i'm really into this i'm doing this work right here which means i'm looking for the things to meet these control gaps talk to me about what your product does against these controls don't just say oh we reduce breaches by 56% and our response time is blah blah i don't care i don't care that's not what i'm trying to build a program to i'm trying to build a program to standards because Regulators are asking about what my program looks like against standards. My board is asking. My customers are asking. Nobody's asking about what's our mean time to response for uh, an intrusion. Nobody's asking that, and that's what the marketing is saying from all these product vendors. So it's it's there needs to be a real shift in how people talk about what tools do when fully yeah, implemented. I-
0: and it, but you know, I we've always said, and I don't know if you agree with this, that good compliance doesn't always equal good cybersecurity, but good cybersecurity compliance should be a natural outcome if you've built the program correctly.
1: Yeah, now, this isn't compliance play, right? This. Oh yeah, I know. Like, but I need to set of we... controls, and then I'm done. This oh. is just to figure out where do things fit. Like, did I just buy two products that do the same thing or have 50 percent overlap with each other? Oh my yeah. god. Why did I just they do that?
0: They wouldn't do, yeah. I, we, we run into it like, well, we just want to check the box and get our SOC 2 Type 1. Or
1: Those you know, those companies uh, are short-sighted in their approach. That's that, eventually going to They're not building and, a
0: comprehensive InfoSec no. program. So kind of you built a platform that does this. I, I was going to ask you to do a little whiteboard on risk engineering. Can you w- walk us through that? Or, risk engine. Or talk a little bit about, you know, when you're evaluating risk, how do how do we objectively or maybe even subjectively score things like lost to brand value lost to lost sales revenue if we get impacted it's not just the data legal impact you know if, if all this personal health information is stolen is the are the feds going to fine us is that a risk or
1: is right. you know? Probability by impact, right? Yeah. Right? So that's that's the first thing, right? What are the chances of this thing happening to us? Okay? I'm a mid-market company. I don't believe that the Russian APTs are a concern for me because I'm not in that sector and everything I've read tells me that I'm not. Probability is probably low. But if right. they did, they're well-resourced. The ROI is high for them. My security is not that great, so the impact is going to be high. Yes. That's that's how that works. Like, and this they're going to get, get in.
0: I'm going to kind of get in.
1: Motivated attacker, just give them time and money. They're going to get in. They're going to get in. Yeah. So, so obviously the risk, the risk scenario is probability times impact. Where I think you need to then take this, right. Is these are kind of your corporate risks, right? This is a corporate risk discussion. So it's not,
0: and that's an important point. So it's not just about the technology and the, it's everything.
1: It's a corporate. This is like, okay. Determining what are your actual risks? You know, Russians right. are here, right? Malware, commodity malware is probably probably higher and impact is here because, you know, lower yeah. because we have some things in place to reduce that impact. Great. Okay. What I think where your where your real question is that people skip is, well, of that impact, what what matters? And everyone kind of goes with, Well, everything's important. Yeah. Right? Well, where is it? Well, you know what? If I have two systems, right? This one makes me a million dollars a month. This one makes me $5 million a month. Where should I be putting my defenses? That now becomes a business discussion. Here's our risk. Here's what we're, what we're worried about. Here's what we need to go protect first over second. This is, this is now an easy discussion with a, with a business. Listen, if we believe that these risks are true, which you, you, you do need to have that convincing story that everyone then believes, yes, these are the risks. Great. Where do we apply the protections and where do we implement the things to reduce those risks? We should probably start with this one. Number two, $5 million a month. Okay. What controls, what do we actually do then? Here's your answer. Right? These controls now become the answer of what you do. So this is why you're doing it. This is where you're doing it. This is what you're doing. Perfect.
0: I think I uh, there's a little yeah. bit of a background, uh, a disconnect uh, in technology groups, whether it's the IT department or the InfoSec people being able to articulate. They have to understand how the business runs, too. Uh, and they have to get the ABCs of how their
1: employer makes money. Yep. and uh, Or operates. I mean, or nonprofits, uh, right? Where are, yeah. you, where are you spending money? What group is vulnerable in your organization that you need to protect, whatever your mission is, right? It's not just corporate revenue dollars. This can be easily replaced by whatever the mission is of the organization. Hey, we've got this outreach program that supports these three states and impacts, you know, 7 million people. We've got this one that impacts this small community, you know, food bank. Okay. Business decision. Let's protect the 3 million people first, and then let's protect the food bank. You know, like so this same type of thinking applies to organizations, counties, governments, all of them. It doesn't just need to be revenue based and corporate driven and and corporate focused. You know, this this is this model is how you just think about what to go do where. And And, and if you
0: don't have the people in house, that's where companies like yours would come into play and they can help and yours as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, You know, you don't have to because you do need a guide. I'm a firm believer in that, that if you don't have the resources internally, at least get a trusted guide, whoever Mm -hmm. that is, and walk through this, because what you're describing is very succinct. It's precise and it's doable by anyone that's willing to go through and spend the time on this. I agree. Right. So, Brian, I know we're coming at the end here again. Uh, this oh, yeah. is, as always, it's, it's, it's a fascinating
1: conversation.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> no, thanks for having me. This is great. No,
0: yeah. Uh, and uh, But, again, I want to give you the floor. Anything that you want to uh, guide us to that you want to make sure we're putting in the show notes? And anything well, you want to
1: plug? No, I mean, just look, you can follow us, obviously, insidechannel.com. You can follow me in any of the content that I put out. I, you know, I I love doing these talks and I'll continue to do these talks as long as people keep, you know, smashing that subscribe button or, or liking the content. I'll keep putting it out. You mostly follow me on LinkedIn and then obviously the stuff that we're doing on YouTube. But, uh, you know, just excited to be, you know, part of this industry and, and, you know, I'm working on something that has been my passion and something that I truly enjoy to do. So I can't really ask for anything more than that at this point.
0: Now, so you're not working for a living anymore. So this sounds like <laughs> yeah. you're having fun. So <laughs> it is, it's,
1: it's a good time. And we're, I think we're solving real problems for people who need it. I think that's the important thing. I mean, it's
0: more I can't important dis- I think, than anything else. I can't disagree with you at all. Uh, the the market space you've picked, uh, those folks need help. And I think they represent the largest, one of the largest risks to a, a, a host of, supply different supply chains in the country whatever
1: definitely right
0: so brian again take care and thanks for being here and anytime you have a major update you want to be on the show just shoot us a note and uh can even do a
1: short if you need to perfect we to. always get all right take care all right thanks